This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So we're continuing a series this morning that we started last week that we're calling Real Talk. And we're talking about communication with God and how um, real talk is this concept, this idea that we can communicate with God more ways than we thought possible, I, I, would, I would imagine. Many of us, I, last week when we were talking, I saw many people crying. I got a lot of emails and, and messages this past week about the freedom that they were able to embrace and experience because last week we talked about the lament, right? We talked about coming to God and our brokenness and our sorrow and our pain and our grief and our angst and coming to him and just bearing our soul and laying it out there and just being like, dude, this is hard. This is tough. This is whatever. Not necessarily coming to God with a canned response, but actually bearing our soul before him. And we use Psalm chapter 44 as sort of a guide through that. And, you know, um, we're calling this series Real Talk because that's sort of a phrase that people use when they're about to tell you something, like, and be super real with you, right? Like, hey, Real Talk, man, your hair looks terrible, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Or, hey, Real Talk, uh, that, that wasn't cool what you did earlier. Or, hey, Real Talk, we got to get on the same page about this or whatever. And so it's where we kind of do real business. We get below the veneer and start talking real to each other. And so the goal in this series, the idea in these talks is for us to have Real Talk with God and have that sort of communication, that style of communication, that freedom in our communication between us and God. And so this week, you know, last week we talked about lament, which was brokenness, sorrow, pain, grief, all of that. This week, we're talking about joy, this idea of having a deep, inner, abiding happiness. And so we're going to look at Psalm 98. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you know, thumb to that or whatever. But to start off, I just want to say there's no bones about it that I absolutely love the Detroit Lions, right? Um, You know that if there's any way that I can bring the Detroit Lions into the word of God, I'm going to do that. And so I just want to start off this morning by talking about the Detroit Lions just a little bit. Like we can lose and lose and lose and lose and lose. And I'm pretending like I'm saying this hypothetically, but it's actually real. We lose and we lose and we lose and we lose and we lose. And I still absolutely love it. I love them. I love the Detroit Lions. And so, but when, now when I engage in watching the Detroit Lions, there's some rules, right? There's some ground rules to cover. Like I was explaining that my TV is, has been broken this entire Detroit Lions season, guys. My son Jude was putting away a toy that has a handle and he like picked it up over his shoulder like this, you know, helping dad clean the living room or helping whatever. And the corner of the toy hit the corner of my TV and it like spidered. You know, and so like I have these parallel lines going up and down half of my TV, and then I have horizontal lines going across the bottom half of my TV, and the right half of my TV is like three or four shades darker than the left half of my TV, right? And so uh, it's like the, the, the football is over here, and then they throw it over here, and everything turns tan. It's the craziest thing. But I was explaining that to someone in the lobby today about, you know, whatever, and Tim was like, hey man, if, if you want to come over, you can watch the Lions at my house uh, tomorrow night, because they're on Monday Night Football, so we need to begin prayer and fasting effective now. <laughs> Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to talk about it in, in church today. See, I have some ground rules when I watch the Detroit Lions. The first ground rule is that I watch them at my house. Unequivocally, I watch them at my house. I don't watch them at other people's houses. Even on my broken TV, I would rather watch it at my house than on your beautiful, nice, huge television. Because I like to hold the remote. 
I like to control the surroundings. I like whenever there's a good play, I like to skip back because they're few and far between and I have to dwell on them, right? Whenever Eric Ebron misses every single pass ever thrown to him ever, I like to skip back and watch and say, what an idiot, he's the worst, right? I just, I like to do that. I like to have the control that I can pause it, that I can turn it up, that I can turn it down, that I can pause it anytime anyone decides that they have this crazy idea that they should talk to me while the lions are on. I pause it and I'm like, yes, son, what would you like? I don't care your hair's on fire. I'm watching the lions play, right? I like having that sort of control. Rule number two is that I wear my Detroit Lions Zuba pants, okay? Do you guys know what Zuba pants are? Those of you who are too young to know what Zuba pants are, uh, all the teams used to have them in like the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, they look like zebra print, but they're in like the color of your team, Right, So if you're like a Chicago Bears fan, it's like orange and blue and white zebra print all up and down your pants. And, uh, or if you're a Packers fan, you're going to hell. If you are, um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Crystal, kind of. I'm kind of kidding. Um, if you're a New York Giants fan, it's red, white, and blue, right? The Detroit Lions is blue, white, and gray. I wear my Zuba pants, okay? My wife has also told me I'm not allowed to go in public in my Zuba pants. So that kind of goes hand in hand with me watching the game at my own house. Rule number three is that I yell. I yell, I scream, I clap, I jump, I slam down in my seat, I curl up into the fetal position at times. Um, I just, it's a very emotional, very animated process, um, my engagement with the Detroit Lions um, every single week. It's very intense, it's very crazy, it's, it's, it's very animated. So we celebrate the Detroit Lions in my household. Right? Every Sunday afternoon, my kids go home and they change out of their church clothes into their Detroit Lions jerseys. They could care less. They're upstairs playing with lightsabers, but they're wearing the Detroit Lions jerseys while the Detroit Lions are playing. Right? We laugh, we cry, we scream, we shout, we raise our hands. You might think I'm talking about church. I'm not. I'm talking about watching the Lions on Sunday afternoons. And some of you are pointing your judgy finger at me right now. I feel it. You're like, oh, you're going, oh, you're something else. But the reality is, guys, like seriously, many of us respond the same way, right? When we go see a band in concert, maybe, um, you know, I got this buddy Tony. <laughs> He's this like hunter fisher guy, you know, like wears camo all day, every day. I'm like, dude, you're not hunting. He's like, who cares, man? It's great. It's like the pattern of his life, camo. Um, and uh, he, go, he goes, he went and saw Coldplay, right? And he went to Coldplay and I was like, dude, did they play Fix You? And he was like, dude played Fix You. If you haven't heard Fix You, it's like a heavenly experience. And he just sat there and he was like, dude, I was crying. Everyone in the whole place was crying. It was amazing. I'm like, were you wearing camo? Yeah, but I was crying, right? It was this crazy thing. Um, Maybe it's a band that you love and you go to the concert and you respond in this emotionally charged way where you're just like, oh my gosh, right? When the guitars come in on Fix You. Do you guys know what song I'm talking about? Coldplay, Fix You. If not, look it up. It'll change your life. Um, Or maybe it's a song that comes out in the car and you're driving and all of a sudden your car turns into a total dance party, even if it's just you, right? No? Okay, yes. Anyone else? Or are you all pretending like you're way too cool for that? No, no. The reality is a song comes out and you're just like, this is my... (laughs) Sometimes I'm in the car with my wife and it's just us. I'm like, dude! And she's like, did you just call me dude? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited about this song. Um, you know, a song comes out and turns your car into a dance party. Maybe it's a team that you love. Maybe it's not football, because if it's football, it's obviously the Lions. But if it's any other sport, maybe you love a certain sports team and you're like all about it, you're all in, whatever. Maybe it's your kids' events, right? Maybe you're that parent 
that when your kid is running down the sideline in soccer, you're like running right, get it, Tommy, do it, yeah, right? Anybody in here want to own up to that? No? Yeah, Mike, okay. Jen's like, Mike, that's, that's Mike. You know, maybe it's that. Maybe that's your passionate response, the way you do this. But many of us, we have things that we're passionate about and we respond this way. And here's the deal. In Psalm chapter 98, this is the type of response that is, is highlighted and it's in response to God. It's saying this should be your response to the Messiah. This should be your response to the Redeemer. This is your response to God. And so I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to read uh, Psalm chapter 98. It'll be up on the screen if you want to, uh, to follow along. But it says this. It says, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. When I read that, I think of um, when you go to a Lions game and they score. I, say, I think about the Lions a lot, <laughs> even when I'm reading the Bible. And, and they, marching down the field, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? They got the band and the guy they're singing, rah, rah, rah. And you're like, yeah. All right. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together with joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. So what I want to do is I want to pray and then I want to unpack that a little bit and see how that can kind of shape and guide our response when we're joyfully responding to the Lord. So let's pray together. God. I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the time of worship where we get to spend together just singing praise and adoration to you. I thank you for these acoustic mornings where we don't have the full band so that we can just kind of strip it back and focus on who you are and what you've done in our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray this morning that as we open your word, that you would allow it to speak truth to us. I pray that we would get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do work inside of us. Lord, open, open our hearts and soften our minds. No, Soften our hearts and open our minds, vice versa. Make us receptive to what you have for us today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. So here's the deal. I said soften our minds. Don't do that. Um, (laughs) Psalm 98. Psalm 98 is a prophetic psalm. So this is interesting, right? He spends the first little portion of this psalm talking about the Redeemer, and then he gets done talking about the Redeemer and begins to talk about our response to the Redeemer, to the, to the Messiah. But here's the deal. This was written hundreds of years before the Redeemer showed up. This was written hundreds of years before the Messiah comes on the scene. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus comes to pass. And so he's sitting here talking about Jesus and the things that he's going to do and the way that we should respond and the way we should communicate with God way before Jesus is even there. And so that's why this is such kind of an interesting thing, because then when Jesus shows up and starts doing the things that were written in this hundreds of years earlier, this was another one of those light bulb moments for the people of the Middle East who were experiencing Jesus in the first century, saying, oh my gosh, what that was talking about, he's doing what that, oh, ooh, ah. And so all these like connections and dots are being connected, and light bulbs are going off, and they're saying, 
this is the Messiah. This is what he was talking about. This is what the psalmist was saying. Because in verse 1 through 3 of chapter 98, it goes through and it talks about the glory of the Redeemer. It talks about the glory of the Messiah. It talks about the sort of wow factor in verses 1 through 3. It says, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous Things His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. So it says, for he's done marvelous things. There's salvation there. The Lord has made his salvation known. It talks about um, salvation and righteousness for all the nations. And this is sort of brought forward in the Gentile inclusion of the ministry of Jesus. Right? Because we know that before Jesus came on the scene, this whole relationship with God was predominantly just for the Jews. Right? The Hebrews, the people of God. But then Jesus shows up and he's like, nah, man, you guys got it twisted. This is for everybody. And so when this is saying hundreds of years earlier that, that he brings salvation for all the nations, it's like, whoa, wait a second. That's what that was. Whoa, hey, I see this. Right? And so it comes through and it starts off talking about the glory of the Redeemer, that all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And then in verses 4 through 9, it talks about the joy of the redeemed. In response to this Messiah coming, in response for salvation, in response to Jesus coming and bringing relationship between us and God, verses 4 through 9 outline sort of a response to that, our kind of reaction. And it says in verse 4, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, and the harp and the sound of singing, the trumpets, the blast of the ram's horn. That just makes me hungry. Shout for joy before the Lord, the king. Right? This is saying, shout for joy, sing songs, play some music, go eat at ram's horn, do your thing. It doesn't say go eat at ram's horn. It says blow the ram's horn thing, like make a trumpet sound or whatever. Um, But this is talking about sort of the joy of the redeemed. Listen to the adjectives that they use here. They're like, shout for joy, sing, respond, jubilant song. Basically, when the Lions finally score a touchdown, my reaction on Sunday afternoons, right? That should be the response to what the Lord has done for us. People look at me and they're like, man, you're a crazy person. Why are you responding like that? But that's the way we should be responding to this redeemer. It says there should be joy that lifts us out of our seat. We're like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. This is incredible, right? That's kind of what's laid out here in Psalm 98. Our response should be joy because of what God, who God is and what he has done. And so last week we talked about our communication with God in real talk through the laments. And we said, listen, we can come to God broken and battered and defeated and we can come to him and we can question and we can petition and we can say, dude, what's up with this? I don't think I deserve this. Let's make this right. Help me out. Hook me up. Pull me out of this pit, right? We can come to God like that. But this week, I want to say that we can come to God joyful and we can come to God triumphant and we can come to God excited. But here's the deal. If we're real talking this morning, if we're being real with one another, many of us are asking ourselves the question, why? Why would I ever come to God like that? You know, like what's so exciting about, I mean, I see that you're up there getting excited about something in the Psalms. What what am I supposed to get excited about? Why would I ever, you know, raise my hands and shout and be full of jubilee? And why would I sing out in song? And why would I respond this way? But the reality, here's the deal. Many of us are sitting here and we're trying to kind of compare our response to the song that comes on in the radio when we're in the car or the concert that we go see, or the sports team that we're super pumped up about. We're looking at our response and thinking through our own personal responses to some of this stuff. Because I've heard stories. I've heard stories the way you guys respond to certain things, okay? I know I'm not the only one. 
And we're sitting here doing this inventory and we're saying, okay, well, yeah, I get that. I can relate to that. I can connect with that. But then when we start talking about responding this way to God, it's like, oh man, hmm. yeah, that's not so much my bag, right? Like for some reason, a, a mediocre team, I say that very generously, a mediocre team at best can conjure up so much joy and so much passion, and so much response in our lives. But getting excited and pumped up about God sounds really, really lame, and sounds really, really unlikely, and sounds really, if we're being real, dumb, you know? If we're being real with ourselves and being introspective here and kind of balancing and weighing this stuff out, and here's the deal. The problem is not that God is not worthy of that type of response, The problem is not that God hasn't delivered. The problem is not that God isn't almighty and and, and all-powerful and that he has been there for us and rescued us and all this stuff. That's not the problem. The problem is our view of God. The problem is our perspective approaching God. The problem is our understanding of God. Because if we have a hard time getting excited about God, if we have a hard time being full of joy with God, if we have a hard time celebrating our relationship with God, if we have a hard time interacting and being positive about our our interactions with God, it's obvious that our picture of God and our view of God is skewed. It's tainted, it's inadequate, and it's too small. Obviously, that's the problem. Because God is big. And God is huge and God is amazing and God is the redeemer and he brings salvation to the world and all this stuff. I mean, that's the case. And if we're not getting it, the problem's not with him. The problem's with us, right? And so we gotta kind of shift our perspective and say, wait a second, what am I not getting about this? If I can get excited about a mediocre football team, but I can't get excited about the redeemer of the entire world, creator of everything, there's a problem here. There's a problem here. And the problem is not with the Redeemer. The problem's in here. The problem's in here. My perspective has been shifted. And maybe that's because you grew up in like an abusive church situation. And that's very, very possible. And it's actually very, very likely that you grew up and it's hard to get excited about God. It's hard to get excited about going to church. It's hard to get excited about going to a place that you've been abused in the past. It's hard to put yourself out there when it's been trampled on in the past. It's hard to step out and be part of these things when you've done it before and the response was so terrible and catastrophic in your own life that you're kind of gun shy. You're a little backed off from it or whatever, right? But listen, guys, that's people. That's not God. The church is full of broken people. Don't, don't, you know, confuse the two. We should be able to get excited and pumped up about God. And if we can't, it means our perspective needs to shift. In Psalm 98, it says that the mountains sing together for joy. It says the seas resound and everything in it. It says the rivers clap their hands. Clap, clap, clap your hands, right? Clap, clap your hands. No? Okay, sorry. Go to a wedding. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but in other places, the Psalms, it, it, it talks about how, you know, the heavens display the majesty of God, the, the, the mountains sing his praises, the, the rocks cry, all this different stuff. The scriptures are consistently saying nature's response to God is just awe and wonder and worship. I mean, God is worthy of this stuff, but maybe our perspective needs to shift. Psalm 98 verses four through six gives us the adequate response to Jesus that we should experience something that we should be seeking for, something that we should be striving for. In verses four through six, it says, shout to the, I'm gonna read it again. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. 
burst into jubilant song with music, make music to the Lord with the harp and the harp and the sound of the singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the king. It's this response that should be like a party. It should be like a celebration. It should be like, whoa, the Lions actually score when they're on the two-yard line. You know how crazy I'm going to go when that happens? I'm going to break the other half of my TV. That's how pumped up I'm going to be. But that's how excited we should get when we think about the God of the universe, creator of everything, bending down and saying, hey, Sam, I care about you. Hey, Sam, you know when you cried out to me in that lament in your broken season? Guess what? I was there. Hey, Sam, you know that thing that you're super stressed about? I get it. And I got you. I got you. Bring that to me, man. Let's do this together. That should make us so full of joy, so full of excitement, so full of just this, this passion inside of us that we, we, it has to come out, right? If we can't respond to God in joy, then we don't understand or know God. If we can't respond to God in joy, then we don't understand who we are in light of who he is. If we can't respond to God in joy, then we have a, a, a skewed misunderstanding of who we are outside of who he is. We have a skewed understanding of what he's done for us. We have a skewed understanding of what we would be without him, right? If we, don't, if we can't respond to God in joy, we really need to experience God. And here's the problem. It's really difficult in America to, to sort of experience God in this way and say, man, yeah, everything that I am comes from him. Everything that I have comes from him. The breath that I'm breathing is his air, right? It's hard for us to wrap our heads around that, especially in our American culture, because our American culture is so self-centered, right? It's all about putting us at the center of the universe and everything else revolves around it, right? It's my world and you're just living in it. I got, I got plans. I'm going places. I'm doing things. And you just happen to be doing something else that's not as important as I'm doing, right? And that's sort of, we're encouraged to own the moment. We're encouraged to take control. We're encouraged to work hard and achieve. And if you work hard enough, you can have the American dream. You can have 2.5 kids and make $100,000 a year and do your thing, right? You can buy that house. You can have the picket fence. You can do these things. If you work hard, it's on you, man. You can make it happen. We're conditioned to be self-reliant and self-made. And all this stuff is all about us and feeding us all the time. And so it's difficult for us to kind of step back and have a little perspective and say, whoa, wait a second. It's not all about me. Wait a second. I'm not the center of everything. Wait a second. There's a God that supersedes all of this, that is supreme above all of this. It's really hard and difficult in our day and age even, in our time in history, this post-enlightenment era where we have access to all this knowledge and all this insight and the internet and wisdom and connectivity and all the interconnectedness that we have, we don't think that we need God. We think that we can just go on the internet and WebMD and figure everything out, right? We think that we can go and connect and act this person, ask that person, whatever. Seldomly, I feel like if we have a hard time responding to God in joy, we have a, that means seldomly we actually pause and ponder and consider who God is in our hearts and in our lives and what he's done for us. We think that we're doing it ourselves. And that happens because of the culture that we're conditioned in. And I get that. But here's the deal. God is supreme. And it's really hard for rich people to understand that. And when I say rich people, I don't mean the people living in Birmingham and Bloomfield. I mean the people living in this room right now. We are rich, very rich, all of us. The fact that you're wearing clothes and you probably ate something this morning and you probably drove a car to get here, you are very, very rich. And it is very, very hard for rich people to understand their dependence on God because we think we can do it ourselves. We think that we've done it ourselves and we're gonna continue to do it ourselves. 
There's a lot stacked up against us for us to be able to respond in joy like this to God because we think we've earned it all in our own power. But here's the deal. I don't want to like knock you off your pedestal and make you all depressed. I thought we were talking about joy this morning, man. Why are you being so negative? But here's the deal. We are nothing without God, without his love and his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his forgiveness. We're nothing without that. We like to place sort of humanity in this pecking order, you know, and we value our position in that pecking order. But the reality is we are nothing without the favor and grace of God. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're hearing this and you're sort of wrestling with it and you're saying, okay, what's the deal? Maybe you need to do an inventory. Maybe you need to ask yourselves, well, do I respond to God in joy? Do I come to him like super pumped and excited, ready to sing his praises and thank him for all that he's done in my heart and in my life? Am I dependent on him? Is this sort of my response to him? And if not, if you don't come to the Lord with joy and excitement and enthusiasm and passion, then you need to ask yourself, why not? Why don't I do that? What's going on inside of me? What's going on in my headspace? Where's my perspective? Who do I think's running the show? Who do I think's in charge? Who do I think is responsible for all the blessings in my life? Who do, I, who do I think is responsible for everything that I experience? If I'm not coming to God thankful and full of joy and passion and enthusiasm, why not? Why is that not me? Because I think that'll be very telling and very revealing of where our headspace is. It'll be very telling of what our perspective is. And if it's not a place where you can come to God in joy, then some things probably need to change. You know, maybe you're in here this morning and you need to shift your perspective from independent to dependent. You need to shift your perspective. Stop trying to make everything happen yourself. Stop trying to make those relationships happen yourself. Stop trying to make the job advancement happen yourself. Stop trying to make all this stuff happen yourself and start seeking God. Stop trying to force everything. Stop trying to win at life in your own power and might and, and, and strength and all that and start seeking God before you try to make everything happen. Start seeking him and say, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to sort of handle this? Start seeking God's ideas and God's perspective and God's approach to life right? Start seeking strength and power and might through the Holy Spirit, not through your own sort of knowledge and what the websites on the internet say. But start seeking God and saying, Lord, let, allow your Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct my heart. Start leading, guiding, and directing my steps. Lead, guide, and direct my perspective. Let me see the world like you have called me to see the world. Maybe we need to move from a posture of independence to a posture of dependency. Because if we can't respond to God in joy, obviously we don't understand who God is. Obviously we don't understand what he's done for us and in us and wants to do through us. And so stop trying to independently win life and start trusting and depending on the God of the universe to guide you, to lead you. Because when you really truly understand who you are in light of who he is, you know what your automatic response is? Psalm 98 verses four through six. You're like, dang, God is so awesome, oh my gosh, right? That's your response because you understand what you're capable of on your own and what you're capable of through the power of the Holy Spirit following in the steps that God has outlined for you. There's a stark difference between the two. And when you're able to realize what God has called you to rather than what you're trying to make happen yourself, 
Your response is just joy and excitement and enthusiasm and passion. And people can't shut you up. You're so pumped up about what God is doing in and through and around you. But if we reverse engineer this thing and we start at the end and say, hey man, that's not how I'm responding, then you just start taking steps backwards and say, why not? Why is that not me? And once we highlight that, we can say, okay, so what do I got to do to make that happen? What changes do I need to make in my heart and my life to make that happen? Because imagine if we were passionate and joyful and celebratory and excited about doing life with God, about doing life in God, about doing life through God. Imagine how different our families would look. Imagine how different our workplaces would look. Imagine how different our passions and our dreams and our desires would be. Imagine how different our city would look, our county, our state, our country, our generation. Imagine how different things would look if we were passionately pursuing the things that God wants us to passionately pursue in the steps that he has outlined for us because we are dependent on him rather than independently trying to make it happen ourselves. Imagine how different things could be. And they can be that way if we just stop for just a second and we say, okay, what's going on here? Why am I not responding to God like that crazy person up there responds to the Detroit Lions who suck? Why, where, where's, where's the disconnect here? How can I bridge this gap? How can I make this happen? And so what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God. I want to give you an opportunity to pause and reflect and say, am I responding to God in a way that's a tell that, yeah, I understand what the dynamic of this relationship is? And if I don't, how do I understand this dynamic? How do I realize that every breath I take comes from him? I just need to pause and reflect and connect with God. So we want to give you an opportunity to do that. The band's going to lead us in a song. But real talk, okay? Real talk. We can come to him in brokenness. We can come to him beaten, battered, destroyed, defeated, and lay it all out there to him and bear our soul. But we can also come to him joyful and excited and enthusiastic and passionate and come to him and be like, dude, you are the best. This is incredible. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for doing these things. And if we're unable to do that, we need to figure out why. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth that you give us. I thank you for the freedom and the liberation that we have to real talk with you. That we can come to you when we're broken, but we can also come to you when we're filled. We can come to you with excitement and joy and passion and enthusiasm. And God, if that is not in our hearts, Lord, help us to reverse engineer. Help us to be introspective to see what is missing. Is it communication with you? Are we engaging in your word? Are we engaging in worship? Are we engaging in Christian community that can inspire us and challenge us and push us forward? Are we engaging in relationship with you? Because your word tells us that you're standing there with arms open, ready for us. All we have to do is turn. Your word says that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And Lord, so maybe some of us this morning, we just need to to turn and we need to draw near to you. Maybe some of us are already near you, but we think we can do it ourselves. And we just need to shift in perspective. We need to shift from independent to dependent. We need to take up a posture of dependency and we need to lean into the Holy Spirit. Maybe we need to set an alarm on our phone every morning, God, that says, wake up and say, where's the Holy Spirit going to take me today? Lord, please lead, guide, and direct my steps. Lead, guide, and direct my conversations. Lead, guide, and direct my interactions. Lead, guide, and direct everything that happens in my world today. I give it to you.
Lord, meet with us now as we seek you. Meet with us now as we seek you. So that send your Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts. Help us to see how we can draw closer to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.